What is up, guys? Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a lot to talk about on today's show. There is a new NBA champion that was crowned this week, so we'll talk about the Lakers securing title number 17, LeBron securing title number four, what that means for that franchise and LeBron's legacy and what it means for next season. Also, the Clippers have a new head coach. I want to give myself a, a nice pat on the back. Got to gotta, gotta toot my own horn here because I, I thought that Tyron Lue made the most sense to be the Clippers head coach. They apparently agreed because they've hired him and signed him to a five-year deal. So we'll talk about that hire. Also, a major shakeup down in Houston. Daryl Morey, no longer general manager of the Houston Rockets. We'll let you know what that means for not just the Rockets' future, but also their coaching search that's right now ongoing. And COVID has just ravaged uh, football, whether it be college football, pro football. Um, we have some major positive test results this week, including Nick Saban, head coach of Alabama. A uh, major matchup between Florida and LSU is postponed. So we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. Uh, I'm excited to do this one. This is going to be a good show. Joining me is my co-host, Kendall. Now, Kendall, I know this has got to be a tough show for you to do. Low-key, I kind of feel like you were dreading doing this show now that you got to talk about the Lakers as the NBA champions. Number 17, tied with the Celtics for that 17th championship. And uh, what, what do you have to say for yourself? Mr. Celtic on this show. Um, all right. So first of all, happy to be here. Uh, how many of those championships did they win in Minneapolis? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I have no idea. I, I want to say it was like eight or something like that. I don't know. George Mikan. How many has he got? I don't know. Regardless, <laughs> uh, congrats to the Lakers. Uh, we will talk about that. But but I will say that, um, I you know the. This, these baseball playoffs have been really good. And yeah. I just start off the show mentioning that. Uh, shout out to the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, who are, I mean, I guess, uh, going to, if at some point in the near future, likely close out the uh, Houston Astros. I mean, you um, say that now, and now it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Um, but, as yeah. we speak, they're playing, in the, they're in the top of the eighth right now. Tied with the Astros in Game Five, they're up three one in the series. Yes, so you could be listening to this, and the, uh, you will be listening to this, and the Tampa Bay Rays are in the uh, World Series. So, congrats to them. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, Eric Neander, their uh, their general manager, uh, top guy in baseball operations, done an excellent job. Um, Got to give him credit. Uh, He's he's yeah, one of the younger executives in all of baseball, but he's he's built a fantastic, fantastic uh, kind of foundation that's going to be good for years um, over there in Tampa. So I got to give him credit. Uh, but yeah, this both both championship series seem like they're going to be really really good. Um, I mean, it's good because the Astros are losing. It's not, it's not like it's been it hasn't been great theater in terms of been it, they've been. Pretty, you know, fantastic games. This one seems like it's a very good game, but, um, but no, yes, yeah, fantastic uh, to see the Astros getting, uh, you know, obliterated in this series, and it looks like the Dodgers, uh, Brave series also can be really good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. I saw people on social media asking the question: Is it, is it fair to root for Dusty Baker despite our hate for the Astros? And my answer is no. <laughs> Look, that I, was, 
Yeah. I love Dusty Baker, and I know you love you got love Dusty Baker. He, yeah. he took your Giants to the World Series. He's a longtime manager for the Giants, and I'm ha- I was really happy when Dusty Baker was you know uh, got back into baseball because I kind of felt like the Washington situation might have been a retirement job, unfortunately, and especially when they won the World Series. I was like, oh man, Dusty Baker may never see a job again. But um, the World Series is really the only thing keeping him from the Hall of Fame. So. You see the Astros make their run. They upset the A's in round one. And you kind of think, oh, well, you know, Dusty will get in if they, they win the World Series. But sorry, I can't. I cannot go that far. I cannot root for um, what they did. It's funny. Shout out to Bomani Jones. But I did hear him say that, like, in some ways he thought that this actually would be great for baseball. Because, like, the kind of people who, like, hate, would hate the Dodgers. Hey, excuse me, hate the Astros winning the World Series are the kind of people that usually are the worst <laughs> like the people who are rooting for that kind of thing um are you like the traditionalists who you know complain about you know unwritten rules and crap like that and I, I don't think either of us fall into that category but i don't know i just can't i can't bring myself to root for this team like it, I, I, funny I, to me if there was a if there was a level of acceptance and a level of responsibility taken by this team after the scandal happened i think maybe i could look I, maybe i could not I wouldn't root for them, but I mean, I wouldn't be so hard rooting against them. But no, these these clowns, I hope that they get, and I know they're not going to get swept, obviously, because they did win a game, but I, I hope they never see a World Series with this roster. It's funny. You mentioned, we're not doing Flames and Trash, so I'll just mm-hmm. mention it now, but you mentioned unwritten rules and traditions. Um, did you see what Wink Martindale, defensive coordinator for the Ravens, said about uh, the Bengals? who kicked the field goal in the last minute of the game uh, against the Ravens uh, to avoid a shutout, essentially. Uh, they lost that game 27-3. to They were down 27-0 before they kicked that field goal. Um, Wink Martindale was not happy. He was asked about it, said he knew what it was because it was awful quiet when I yelled it across the field. There are some people that take that as a victory. We'll see. We'll have plenty to talk about the next time we play them. Uh, clearly, Martindale was not happy about that field goal. Honestly, I could care less. I mean, I don't know if that's some unwritten rule that you can't kick a field goal late in the game. I mean, I, I've I, heard I've heard of that before. I, I kind of always felt it was ridiculous because in my head, I just feel like you're always trying to score as much points as possible. Right. So who like, cares? Your defense yeah. played great. Whether or not it's a shutout or a three, or you gave, you gave only three points. Yeah. Your defense played great. You're not going to lose your job because they scored three points in this game. Like, Zach Taylor is trying to keep his head above water. He can't, he's not trying to look back and say, you know, look back at the record and say, oh, you got shut out four times. Like, right. you know, I mean, I don't know. I I have no issue. Like, they, they you want to put points up on the board. It's what, what are the teams supposed to do? Just just lay down and say, all right, we'll just run the, run the clock out. Lose the game. Well, I think yeah. the idea is that you're supposed to like just like push for a touchdown. Like you, you're, like you're not kicking field goals at a certain point in the game. And like, I don't know. I I, I, I never. I I like. I get. I kind of get. It's almost like you're trying to get garbage points. I kind of get it, but is I don't. Again, like you're losing. Like if you're you have the ball. If you have the ball, your 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 goal should be to score points as quickly and and as efficiently as possible. So if kicking yeah. a field goal is to do that then why wouldn't you do that? But And also as a coach, because I, I, I get that, that that point, but as a coach, don't you also want to give – I mean, this is a Cincinnati team that had the kicker miss a field goal right. late in the game. 
Yeah, there, you know, there's there's a couple more reasons why you might want to kick a field goal there. Absolutely. You know, you may want to say, or book. You may not be ready for this, but go out and kick this field goal. Make it. Yeah, and, yeah, and you, you want to make sure your field goal team is 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 ready to go in that situation. Want to make, give your kicker so, give your kicker some more confidence. Like it, there's reasons why you want to kick it. I think that, uh, and Wink's a great uh, defensive coordinator. But yeah, I, I don't. You know, sometimes I think these coaches kind of like just like create drama for their team especially great teams um and the ravens are a great team they gotta kind of create drama to like kind of get to keep the players motivated so they know when they play the Bengals again they're gonna punch them again so you gotta give them some kind of motivation for the next game and then i think you know he picked something that was kind of benign but i i, I see the game being played um but let's talk about this uh this lakers nba championship so they um this uh this weekend they they wrapped their uh, quest for a 17th title by obliterating the Miami Heat in Game Six. Um, I forgot what the final score was, but it was way worse than that in real life in terms of how bad they were down. I think they had the the largest deficit in NBA history for a um, finals game. Um, they were up by like 28 points, something crazy. So this was a non-competitive game, but this was a actually ended up being a really interesting and fun series. And I the credit. Uh, a ton of credit deserves to go to the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler put on some historic performances. I mean, just performance that we'll never forget. I mean, Game 5 was phenomenal. Game 3 was phenomenal. And obviously, those are the two games the Heat won. And it looked like to me the Heat just ran out of gas by the time they got to um, Game 6. But also, the Lakers just... When they, they showed kind of what they showed all season in that when their focus is 100% locked in, their best is always going to be your best. And, like, that that, that to me was, was the feeling I had. And I thought the only team that's best kind of competed with theirs and matched up well with them to me was always the Clippers. The Clippers did not play their best often enough to get that opportunity. And that's on them. That's just their fault. They weren't, you know, you all direct as you are, and, and they were not as good as the team as the Lakers because the Lakers were able to play at that kind of championship caliber level way more than the Clippers, and they, you know, obviously they had way more talent than the Heat here. And um, first of all, I first of all, shout out to um, Jeannie Buss, first female owner to ever win the NBA championship. I don't know why that surprised me, but when I when I heard people saying that, I was like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. I can't think of any other female owner. I guess because we've had baseball and female baseball owners and female football owners. Have you ever met? Yeah, it's not a lot, but we've had some. So I guess a football. Uh, I mean, it's not the NBA female only that they have been football and, and baseball. Right, exactly. So I guess to me, when I heard that, I just kind of like I was like, oh, really? I, I know we've had some in other sports, but you know, you know, just I really thought Gail Benson was going to be the first one. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> I was like, uh, I hate to break that to you, uh, Kendall. And I'm saying, is that Henry over there? Is Henry get the <laughs> grab the mic? Our brother, who's a Pelicans fan. Um, no, nah, but shout out to Jeannie Buss because look, like, like she inherited a dumpster fire. Now it's the Lakers and it's Los Angeles, and if there's any place that could make a quick fix work, this is the place. But credit where credit's due. They I mean, you know, her brother couldn't get it done. Her brother completely ran the team into the yeah. ground. Yeah, no. and, and, and it wasn't like this team didn't have drama. I mean, you had the Magic drama, you had the Luke Wallen drama, and. They were able to navigate all that and still yeah. find the themselves Rob back at the was, was class of the, of the NBA. Yeah, the Rob Polinka hire was fantastic. The Magic hire was 
it was it was solid. I can't say it was fantastic because he left, but it it helped them get LeBron. I, you know, would LeBron have gone there regardless? I would I would venture to guess yes. Yes. But but yeah, but but Magic was there and he put in the effort and LeBron in the public. He, he didn't blow. He didn't blow up the deal. Let's say that. He didn't hire him, and he didn't spill coffee on LeBron's shirt when they had the meeting. So no, it's not bad. Rob, they, they did a great job of ingratiating themselves with the Clutch family, and yes. you know the KCP thing. I mean, people clowned it. Man, I can though. KCP, like so we giving shout outs on the show. Like he I've never seen. I've never seen a player turn around their reputation in terms of a role player. Maybe ever in one playoffs than KCP did. This guy yeah. did not miss any clutch shots. Like, yeah. I could not. I'm watching these games and I'm like, these are shots this guy just never makes. And not only does yeah. he never make them in like the regular season or other big games, like, he's shooting bricks. He's throwing the ball out of bounds. Like, he's kind of always been kind of like the player that just. He, when you saw him, you're like, man, like, they got to get him out of there. He's killing them. And he played the best ball of his life. And he deserves a ton of credit. All first team shacked in a fool <laughs> to you know to all Robert all, all Robert Horry <laughs> Bowen lookalike. I mean, yeah. This guy was, was playing very good defense all playoffs. He did. This, this guy, like you said, was hitting big shots anytime they needed him to. I mean, he gave them. I mean, the fact that Danny Green was so bad didn't matter because he gave them what right. they thought Danny Green would, and yeah. Danny Green gave them what they thought KCP. Would. <laughs> yeah, he did. So um, it, it's very bizarre how that worked out. But yeah, I mean the KCP move. You know, and he helped ingratiate them with the LeBron family, which helped them bring in LeBron. You know, I think Palinka doesn't get enough credit for the move that he made this offseason after Magic left. And there was a lot of controversy with, you know, whether or not he should even be there. And, uh-huh. you know, oh, he's in over his head and the guy's a snake and this and that and the other thing. And he made a lot of good moves. I mean, hiring Frank Vogel. Vogel's we'll, excellent I'll, move. We'll get to Vogel, but hiring Frank Vogel was a very good move. Hiring Kidd and Lionel Hollins and putting that staff together. And, and, I, and we, I thought that that could be a disaster. I yeah, thought we Jason, thought Jason Kidd yeah. was going to – I thought he was going to shiv uh, Vogel the first chance he got. Yeah, we all thought that was that was a a an accident waiting to happen. But what, I'll give Kidd the credit, and I think Kidd really realized that this job was going to be his avenue to the next job. Not, I don't think he took it as I'm going to be the next coach of the Lakers when Vogel messes up. I think he knew that that was a possibility, but I don't think that that was his goal. I think his goal was to say, I'm going to make this as good for Frank and LeBron and AD so that I can pedal this into the next head coaching job for myself. And I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance that kid maybe came in thinking, like, oh, there's a chance I may get this job. Things go bad, and then I think he realized early on they that win. oh, this team's going to win a championship. So yeah. let me be the good Ball soldier line. here, and yeah. and I'll get a good job out of this. And he he very well might, but yeah. um, but yeah, you're right. I think Palinka um doesn't get enough credit and for in screw for that screw the, the the general managers in the league that didn't vote Rob Palinka. Not only did they not vote him executive of the year, but he was like sixth or seventh on the yeah, list. Yeah, that was that was an embarrassment. He gave it to Lawrence Frank. I mean, come on. Yeah, Rob. Yeah. I mean, Lawrence Frank. I mean, he did. A, I mean, I guess he did a good job getting Kawhi and PG. I mean, getting Kawhi was with credit to him, just like AD was a layup. Getting Kawhi was a layup, not a layup, but like was you know you're gonna take him if he wants to go there. Um, but I mean, the PG trade, I, I don't know what to make of that. And I know obviously maybe it's hindsight's twenty twenty. This was voted before the playoffs, but it's not like before the playoffs. I was like, man, that PG trade was a steal. 
it was, no, we all we all looked at it as a a a big risk that may produce a big reward, and we thought the fit of the two wings with that kind of defense in that division against LeBron made the risk potentially worthy. We know now the risk was not worth it. They 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 could have if they would have kept the guys they had, they still would have went just as they, far they, as they, far as credit. I, I I yeah, I think that they were playing in the Lakers in the conference finals. If they have Shea, if they have Shea, they have an actual point guard who can break the defense down, and they had another shooter in Gallinari who they could take, they could take out uh Harrell and and, and and stretch the floor a little more. They they would be they would be playing right now. So that that was in let alone that they now no have no picks <laughs> forever, um, <laughs> like that that was not a good trade. Um, yeah. Unless and they it, find a way to win a championship with this nucleus next year, which is not impossible, but. But and as look, of right now, yeah. that they lost that trade. There's no hey, doubt about hindsight, that. Hindsight is 2020. You know, there were obviously yeah. questions about what Vogel did. I mean, what Palinka did in the offseason going into the playoffs. You know, people didn't know. I mean, look, I mean, Kyle Kuzma was their third best player. I mean, this is a mess. You know, you got Rondo, you know, is hurt. And Howard is, you know, he doesn't want to yeah. be in the bubble. And, you know, McGee's your best big man. I mean, those questions about the Lakers roster. But as it came yeah. together, as we saw through the playoffs, it's clear Palinka his vision of creating a team that had a lot of defense around LeBron um, and AD and AD himself being a very good defender uh, was going to be uh, had a, the chance to be a championship formula. I guess, look, before we, we're, we're going to get into the LeBron conversation and AD, yeah. but before we get into that, what do you make of the argument that I brought up, I believe last playoffs, which was, or not, not last play last show that we did when we talked about this Lakers team coming into the finals was do we look at this championship and look at the road that they had to go through as maybe less than, you know, a typical champion? I mean, I don't want to say a typical no. champion. But do we not look at this and say, look, this isn't an all-time great Lakers team. You know, it's, it's, not, not, Lakers, it's not an all-time great team. You know, they, 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 they didn't face an all-time great team. They didn't have to face Durant and Curry. You know, they didn't have to face um, you know, some of the, 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 the great opponents the teams in the years past have, does that take away from this team at all? Or do you think that this team... No. Okay, so you think that this team, you know, can stand on its... On its yeah, team I mean... Its yeah, I mean, to me, this is like... To me, honestly, this team reminds me more of the teams that, like, won championships when I grew up. Like, yeah. like the Chicago Bulls, like, they they were... Three Hall of Famers, and then a lot of just guys. <laughs> like none of those. Like you know, Steve Kerr uh, obviously won won some rings with, or uh, at least a ring with San Antonio. Ron won a ring with the the Lakers, but like no one else from that team did anything of note after the, after they left. Tony Kukoc had a long career after, but he didn't win any championships or or become an All Star or anything like that after the Bulls run. Um, you know, you look at the, the the Rockets in those years. You know, it was Hakeem Olajuwon. One year they had Drexel Drexler, but the other year it was just Hakeem Olajuwon. And it was a lot of role players. It wasn't like he had a stacked team. Like we kind of get looked, you kind of get messed up in this kind of recent era of super teams. And then when we look at the greatest teams of all time, we think about those other teams like the Lakers and the Celtics and the Pistons. That even though they weren't super teams per se, they were stacked. So. Like to me, this this reminds me more of like a '90s or early 2000s championship caliber team. Again, the Lakers 
with the Kobe and Shaq Lakers. They, that wasn't a super team. It was two guys who were the best players in the NBA on the same team. And then Horace Grant is playing power forward. You know, like, they're giving yeah. minutes to Rick Fox, who's starting. Like, these guys, I'm not saying, and I'm, I'm, there's no disrespect to any of the guys I've, I've named. All those guys are NBA champions, multiples, a lot of those guys I've named, and very good NBA players. But I think, you know, the, the notion to kind of just kind of, like, run to be like, oh, this Lakers team wasn't that good. It's like, no, this Lakers team is like a lot of the teams that win championships. Yeah. Most of the teams that win championships. Besides the, yeah, besides the, the like, super teams that we've been seeing throughout history. And that's okay. Like, that's, I'm actually, I actually prefer it this way. Um, it didn't feel as stacked like the Warriors and the Heat era. Like, that, that was, that was terrible. It wasn't normal. Right? Like, yeah, like that wasn't like seeing the Cavs and Warriors a zillion times in the finals year in, year out. That wasn't good basketball. That was terrible. <laughs> so I'm happy that we got two and fairly normal teams. Obviously, one team had two real great players, but they fair is fair. Like, they didn't. They didn't do anything finagling any way to get Anthony Davis there. They had the assets and they traded for him. So, um, yeah. and, and in terms of the who they went through, in terms of did they play any great teams, I mean, well, yeah, that was gonna look, be my question. And look, like I, we can't do this. Like we can't before every series be like, oh, the 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 pitch, the Blazers are gonna give the, the 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 Lakers trouble, and the Lakers just dispatch them. Now, to be fair, yes, McCom did have a back injury. Yes, of course, Lillard had the finger. But sometimes you can watch a series before the injuries really start to play a factor and kind of see where this is going. The injuries didn't play a factor in that series. The Lakers were the better team. Yeah. Would they have won yeah. one more game if Lillard didn't break his finger? Yeah, but maybe. But that, that wasn't – they weren't in any serious trouble. They played the Rockets. We can't be, oh, the Rockets could really give them trouble. And then they dispatched the Rockets. They be, oh, well, Westbrook wasn't right. Do I think he was right? No. But, again, you can kind of watch the series. The Lakers weren't losing to that team. Like – you know, like at a certain point, we can't just keep saying and talking about how these teams are supposed to give the Lakers trouble, and then the Lakers dispatch them fairly easily, and then we're like, "Oh, these teams weren't that great anyway." When we were lauding these teams in Look, the series before, or in the, the Blazers were lauding them in the in the seeding games, the Denver Nuggets were lauding them for beating the Clippers, the Heat were lauding them for beating the Celtics and the and the uh, and the Bucks. Team, all those teams that we kept saying were great teams, Look, we can't not, then, when they play the Lakers, be like, oh, this team wasn't that good. Like, we can't do that. Fair is fair. And look, I think that I think that's fair for, for most people. Um, I was not necessarily saying that I thought that. I mean, did I? Did I'm I not say saying that? you are. I'm just saying in general. I'm just I'm, speaking. Yeah, I'm, I'm just speaking. I, did, I say, did I say that the, the Nuggets were going to be tougher than the Clippers? I mean, I may have said that. Um, but I, I think that I, I said that. No, about, you said the you know you said the Nuggets were going to beat the Clippers. You didn't say anything about what that. Yeah, I said the Nuggets would beat the Clippers, right. but then I yeah I didn't then go and say I think I, I said the opposite. I was like yeah I think they would have <laughs> I think they had a chance to beat the Clippers. I, I I don't know if they can beat the Lakers and that the the, the Clippers probably would have gave them the better the better fight. Um, and the Heat I, I mean I I knew the Heat had no shot. Um, I don't well, know what, once Drogas went once once Drogas went down, any chance of the upset was just dead. It, like, yeah. he was yeah. a leading scorer, and again, and I'm not gonna be the guy that's gonna be like, oh, it's an asterisk. Look, how many times have we seen guys getting hurt in the finals the last right. five and years? I, we gave every team an asterisk because I got yeah, no, it's, it's part of the game. Or Curry's titles, or, or any of yeah. LeBron's title. I mean, he's had so many, all every and, finals is an injury. And in fact, yeah. the Heat of all these finals teams that had injuries, they probably were the team that was most equipped to have a replacement that could actually play well. Yes. <laughs> like you know, like you know, the the Cavs were replacing Kyrie Irving with Della Vadova. 
Yes. And, and you know they were tracing Kevin Love with Tristan Thompson, the the yeah, Warriors. Everything. I don't even know. I don't know who they started in place of Kevin of Kevin Durant. It wasn't Kevin Durant. It was it was not comparable. Like you know <laughs> Kendrick Nunn. Yes, he was a rookie. He was struggling. But this guy was second in rookie year voting. He became the starter again. So it was like, yeah. and, 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 and yeah, and it was playing pretty good basketball. Now, again, I'm not going to minimize, of course, Goran Dragic in that situation, he's a guy you want more. He was a guy that was playing the best in their team throughout the whole playoffs, and losing him was just the, the death nail. They couldn't overcome that. But I'm just saying, like, we can't do this game every time someone gets hurt. This is a part of sports. This is a part of winning a championship is withstanding injuries, overcoming injuries. And luck is a part of it. And the Heat got unlucky at a part, at the worst part of the time. But at the end of the day, you got to give the Lakers their due. We got to talk about LeBron here. This is his fourth championship, fourth final MVP. Um, after he won, while listing off all the people in the Lakers organization that deserve respect, he emphasized that he also wants his damn respect. Um, you know, I hate I hate the GOAT argument. It's not that I hate the GOAT argument for LeBron. I hate the Jordan argument against LeBron. Like, the GOAT argument in a vacuum, I don't mind, I think, as much. But the Jordan-LeBron thing is kind of annoying because I just feel like... I feel like... Um, I feel like the LeBron side... A lot of the fans are younger, and their appreciation and knowledge of the history of the game sometimes isn't isn't as great. So I think the way they kind of represent the Jordan era is oftentimes misconstrued and terribly off. At the, on the flip side, like you know, like the Jordan people, like I'm gonna say as well, like they like try to just throw dirt on anything LeBron does, and that's stupid and that's ridiculous. So, I will make it very clear. I think Michael Jordan is the GOAT. He's the greatest player to ever play in the NBA. Um, LeBron, to me, after this reign, well, let, let me, I think he's somewhere in the top three or four. But let me just, first of all, speak to his accomplishment. Because I don't want to start this like that. <laughs> LeBron, this is an incredible championship run to me. Like, this, this... I guess it's, it's so incredible to me because I just I, I never would have imagined that LeBron's run to this title would have looked this easy in terms of in terms of like his individual play. I'm not necessarily talking about the team, though the team you could argue also was easy, but like he just seemed to have like such control and such poise and such dominance over every game he played. That, in fact, like, the only time I really felt like he really, really turned it on was twice in the whole playoffs. And he was by far undoubtedly the finals MVP, undoubtedly the best player in the playoffs. That was not questioned. I'm not, and I'm telling you, even despite that fact, I still think we only, I only saw him turn it into that, like, God-level gear twice. It was a closeout Denver, and it was game four. Which they that they lost or game five, but they lost to the Heat, and those are the only games I was like, oh my god, LeBron's he's on some different ish right now, and he still was by far the best player on the court, and like, and I'm not, and I don't want to make it sound like what he did was easy. I don't want to, I don't want to minimize his accomplishments like that. I know it wasn't, but I think I'm just trying to give him kind of his praise just to to speak to how dominant he was. And I didn't well, think you know I, like when I like when I think of like because I started thinking about his other championships uh, the last few days, 
And you remember that Heat series against the Spurs, the first one, which I think is one of the greatest playoff series ever. Um, I don't think it's enough to talk about being an epic finals. Remember how hard it was for LeBron, even though he was playing great, to win that series? Like, that wasn't easy. I know, he, okay, you're saying he's going up against Kawhi Leonard, lead defender, and maybe... But, I mean, Jimmy Walker, the butler, is a hell of a defender. Like, you know, like, I, he, he's... Yeah. He might be... You want Kawhi, defensively, he might be equal to rookie Kawhi or third-year Kawhi, whatever he was at that point. Like, and, and remember how hard it was? Remember how, like, he was like he had to grind to get that those six game six and game sevens? Like, I never saw him do, do that in, this, in the playoffs. Remember that Celtics like, series? That was him in his prime. Yeah. That Celtics series in 2012, and LeBron just, I mean, he had, he went to the, the, the edge of what he had in him to beat that Celtics team. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I never, had, I never saw him ever have to work that hard. Celtics in series these playoffs. In what, what was it, 2014, when they beat the Celtics. And, Sounds about uh, right. Yeah. I mean, that was a series where he had to, you know, go to everything to beat to beat that Celtics team. I mean, you know what it is, because that that's a that that is a good fact. I mean, I mean this. I mean, after you won it, I was like, man, this this whole thing. I mean, it lined up perfectly for LeBron in terms of. Uh, you know, Space Jam coming out next year. I mean, not yeah, crazy. yeah, it really did. Yeah, I mean, this is this is all he this is, the, this is exactly what he wanted when he devised his whole plan to go to L.A. He's like, I'm gonna go to L.A. make Space Jam win a championship. Space Jam's gonna come out. Hopefully, he wins too. If he can win back to back, then that'll really help. But um, and it looked it looked like something where I was like, man, he just set this whole thing up. So where he got AD, you know, he made it feel like man, this was mad easy for him. But I, what I think happened. And why this championship was clearly the easiest for LeBron. I don't, easy is obviously, again, that makes it seem like it's a disparagement. Maybe it is in the sense of what I'm about to say, but I think because LeBron is the old guy now in the league, I mean, he's one of the oldest players in the league in ge- just in general, but especially when, when you're talking about the best players in the league, he's the he's the old guy. Him and then Chris Paul is the next, next oldest great player. It's It's much easier for him from a mental side, just just completely dominate the game in every facet in the playoffs against yeah. the rest of these cats that are out there. Especially when you don't have to go out against Durant. You don't have to go out against Curry. You didn't have to face Kawhi. Uh, give Kawhi credit, or lack, lack thereof credit, that he, he, didn't, he didn't rise up to the occasion against Denver, which should have been an easy opponent from that perspective. But those are the only guys in the league that have that championship medal, really. It's Kawhi, it's Durant, it's Curry, and it's LeBron. Everyone else, I mean, there are other guys in the league that have won championships, but a lot of that's because of that super team era that you talked about, where Mm -hmm. everyone that's won a championship comes from three teams, two two or three teams. So... It's not as if, and the Warriors obviously were a non-factor because of the clay injury and Steph was hurt and, you know, Draymond is, is, is dropped off and had injuries. So um, it's not as if his road was easier, but his road was, was met with, and this is even talking about the best teams in the Eastern Conference, like the Bucks and the Celtics and the Sixers and everybody. No teams that had any sort of real deep playoff experience, championship experience. So... You had a lot of situations where, like, Giannis was the MVP, but he's never done anything in the playoffs. So, 
and I mean, he didn't even get close to. He's never. He, he, he's never even gotten. He didn't even get close to it to the championship to even face LeBron. But like, you know, he, he we're in a league now that's younger, and he's dealing with a lot of different teams that aren't championship ready. Like, I don't think that series looks as easy. They they may still win, but I don't know if that series looks as easy if he's facing, you know, Kyrie and Durant. Just because those guys, Kyrie's another guy that has that championship medal, whether we realize how you feel about him. Like, and that'll be the, the, the interesting thing that we see next season when Golden State becomes a threat again, when we see Brooklyn get entered in the mix. Boston will be a year older. All those those factors, you know, we'll see what happens with Giannis, whether or not Giannis may be in Miami. Giannis may be in Milwaukee, but he may be, you know, a different animal next season. I don't know, but... Those factors will make next year's finals, next year's championship, much harder to attain for LeBron than this year's was, and obviously the Clippers. Um, so say what you want about accomplishment or you know asterisk or all that. Regardless, I don't think it was an asterisk, but I do think that from an e- from an ease standpoint, not having those veteran guys as opponents um, made it much easier. I mean, this is Jimmy Butler's first finals. Um, yeah, but played, I, I would argue Jimmy Butler though played with that kind of metal though. Yeah, and Jimmy Butler had it, um, but you know the, the rest of the team is very young. Um, you know, obviously you had Iguodala. I mean, Iguodala is ancient, and you know Jay Crowder's played in the Eastern Conference Finals. He, he's 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 a vet. You know, it's not like they didn't have it's not like the Heat team was a bunch of kids. But I mean, like Hero. I mean, you go you're in the NBA Finals. I mean, look, God, the guys LeBron has seen in years past, and you're going against. Duncan Robinson and Tyler, and Tyler Hero. Hero, yeah, and even Bam Adebayo. I mean, you're not you're not scared, yep. you know. I mean, in, in years past, he's looked across the court and seen Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson. That's right. Yeah, he's seeing first ballot Hall of Famers on the other side. Yeah, I mean, now I mean, it's just a it, it's a different it's a different threat, you know. Yeah. And and in in even in the Western Conference Finals, seeing Jamal Murray and Jokic doesn't put that fear in your eye that We've seen LeBron have even, I, I mean, it, I would say the other series where LeBron has shown that in, in years past, even that Celtic series in 2018, where, I mean, they took them, they took him to the brink and LeBron really had to, that, that was, that was unusual. That was a very unusual circumstance. I think right. that was just because LeBron's team was so bad. He had to, he had yeah. to give them everything because that wasn't, a, that wasn't necessarily a tough opponent. You know, Celtics team without yeah, Kyle, Cor- Kyle Corver was that third option. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know that was LeBron just giving you everything you had because he didn't have much around him. But you know, I mean, it, it's he didn't have to do that because he had AD. It's not also because like the team, like it's not like those teams are all bad that he faced. Denver, Miami, Houston—they're not those aren't scrub teams. But when you have AD and he's at one of the best we've seen him in his career, we're talking about LeBron. You know, this wasn't going to be, it wasn't a cakewalk, but this wasn't going to be something where he had to sweat, really. I think LeBron yeah. knew, I think he's no, I think he knew once the Clippers were out, he was going to win a championship. Yeah, deep I mean, down, yeah. Not, I, not. I think deep down he knew. Oh, I yeah, think. I mean, when I, I mean, when I saw, you know, unsourced, you know, unnamed sources being like, you know, LeBron wins this, you know, he's going to close, you know, close the case on being the GOAT. I, I immediately tweeted, oh, LeBron thinks he's getting the heat out of here. Like, clearly. Like, if he has people talking about the GOAT before the game's even played, 
that he don't he don't have any respect for the Miami Heat. I don't care what he says. Um, yeah. He thought he was getting getting them out of there. He probably thought it should have been less than six games. But um, but Jimmy Butler had a lot to say about that. Credit where credit is due for Jimmy Butler. Um, I think there's there's some truth to that. Again, I I would I would point to like you know Jimmy uh, Jimmy playing the way he did. I think to me like those teams that he went up against before were more daunting necessarily. Maybe not even the individuals, but no. Even when you talk about the Spurs, I mean you're talking about Hall of Famers on the other end. Even if some of them are a little old. The you know, Celtics, talking about Hall of Famers on the other end, even if some of them are a little old. Like, there's a, like, you know, I, one of the, and you know, Thunder, it's a, it's got, a, it's a, the, when he faced the Thunder, you had three nuclear weapons in Durant, Westbrook, and, and, and Harden. Even then, I don't think he really looked at them as that much of a threat. No, he got them out of there quick, too. He wanted to win a championship. So, like, you know, he was, he came in with, with ultra focus, but, mm-hmm. but, I mean, even then, it, that was probably more similar to what he felt now. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's and now, as having won three championships, he came into this knowing, oh yeah, this is gonna be. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I've had to face, you know, Curry for the last ten years. Like now, this is gonna be nothing. Yeah. So, well, the last thing I was I'll say on LeBron is, um, again, this was this to me was just remarkable how easy he made it look at his age. Um, I've only seen Jordan make it look this easy or, or look that dominant as the best player at this age, at this point in his career. So, I mean, that's a great case for LeBron in terms of where his standing is. And look, I mean, LeBron's standing, I guess that's the that's that's the thing that annoys you about this argument with him, is that, like, if you think he's number two or three, like, that's, like, some crazy disrespect. Like, <laughs> I'm saying he's better than, you know, like, Matty Johnson and Larry Bird and a lot of other unbelievable players. But... You know, I think to me, if you're looking at, you know, what's the future for LeBron? How does LeBron get to that GOAT level, so to speak? Um, I think for me, I, I want to see sustain a sustained championship run. Um, I think that's, to me, he has all the, the career accolades. He's playing forever. He's going to play forever. Um, but to me, I think, when I think of why, what, what viscerally, you know, I can go into the numbers of why I think Jordan's better, but what just viscerally do you think of when you think, I cannot, there's no way I can think of put LeBron ahead of Jordan at this point. Like, why? And I just think, when I was a kid, man, this guy won three straight championships twice in a, twice in a short amount of time. And, like, I remember just feeling like, yo, this guy's team is unbeatable. I don't care who they're going up against. And I think, I'll be honest, I, I, I think LeBron's case for the GOAT got kind of muddled when he left Miami. I think that kind of confused everything. And, and in some ways, you would think, well, winning it, the championship in Cleveland was just so, it was so unbelievable. And it was. But I almost feel like Miami was a chance that he had to really have a, a, a three-peat. A three-peat, which is what we're, what, the only thing he hasn't really done. And obviously, he, he lost the chance at a three-peat, and then he just bounced. But if he would have stayed in Miami, they would have retooled. Um, we obviously Bosch got six, so you know that would have been a really a tough situation. But I, I think that's the the difference for me is that like he's just been kind of some people look at it as a strength that he's just been like jumping around. Doesn't matter the coach or the team, the system he's gonna go and win. But there, I don't know. There's something also about like being in one spot and being like I don't care what all you other people are doing. The the, the league runs through my team. 
the league runs through me. This notion that he has to run everywhere he has to go to, like, get to a team that will put him in that position, it's just different. It's just, well, it could could be a generational thing. It could just be, you know, maybe it's not a big deal to some people. But so, to me, that's that means something. So that I means think something LeBron, that like, you have to keep running to team to team to get to the next situation that then now the league runs through you for a year or two. And then, right, okay, I you're going to jump to another team. Like And, like, to me, like, that's like Jordan didn't go anywhere. He got his, his behind kicked for eight years because Magic and Bird and, 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 and Isaiah run the league. And when those guys started to get old and it was, league, it was his league, he didn't let go. The only time he let go was when he retired. And then came back and he took it right back. So right. that's that's the thing LeBron is missing. And at this point in his career, I just don't know if he ever will have that moment. So it's going to be mean, look, that's comparing you know, apples and oranges with their careers. But uh, to me, that, that's a sustained level of excellence that I just haven't seen from him. Yeah. So therefore, that's why that, that's... MJ was still saying number one. But LeBron's had an incredible career. and There's no way you could really criticize him really in any yeah, serious the, way. the LeBron thing that's a way of looking at it um that he, I mean I would necessarily I, you can look at it as running from from situation to situation running to, from situation to situation uh, or you know if you want to spin it positively you could say that he's you know one you know in a variety of situations with a variety of you know supporting casts and a variety of coaching staffs and front offices and things of that nature so I mean, I, I to me, I think that the the LeBron argument, the LeBron Jordan thing now is becoming more and less. It's becoming less and less comparing the two as the same entity and comparing them one on one. As much as it is now, it's you have to look at the the debate from a certain point of view because as we get closer, as as LeBron career, and, and you know, you know me, I hate having this discussion. While LeBron's still playing, because it's just like I agree I with that too. The the thing, I mean, we've had this debate on this show for the last four years, basically four or five years, and you know, every time I keep saying his career is not over. So I mean, I you know, and it's only every year LeBron gets closer, or not every year because a couple of years he's lost, but you know, it's, he tends to get closer and closer. Um, you know, we've had years where he's lost, and it's like, does this does this shut him out? Is he done now? And I'm just like, I, I don't know. He may win next year. He may win two years from now, but um. LeBron now is entering that Tom Brady stage where, you know, he's just winning so many times where you're like, man, I mean, you know, you rack up ring after ring after ring. Um, and, you you know, the, like you said, the longevity and the accolades at such an age is becoming incredible. He's now the he's got to win on accomplishments. It can't be on he's not going to win on rings necessarily. Which I guess you can say is accomplishment, but he's not going to win on rings. Jordan, he's not going to get to six. I mean, he could. He's got what four now. I mean, he could win two more. He could. He could get to six. And if he got to six, to me, I don't want to say ball game, but I would say then it becomes from the yeah. I I, I think if he gets to six, it's a real, real conversation. I agree. I think until that point, it's still hard for me. If he gets to six, I think from a from a from an accomplishments standpoint, I think it's a wrap. Because he's just gonna have uh, that. Also means that like so many other things. Went yeah, he's right he's the cre- he's the all time points leader. He's yeah, like exactly. All time a point finals points leader. Like, yeah, you know, he, he has all these crazy there, numbers. There's yeah. all these different things. They're gonna be like, man, LeBron. Like he's like Kareem mixed with Jordan. Like it's gonna be crazy. Right, yeah. But, but I like I, I I still think from an eye test, you know, merit standpoint, I think Jordan still has him as an individual talent. But the longevity argument. 
that Kareem has always had, now LeBron is going to have. And that's going to be that that that'll be interesting, you know, like and again, his career is not over. LeBron, I don't know how long he's going to play. You know, when they asked him about it on NBA TV after he won the championship, you know, he mentioned, look, my son's high school sophomore. So, you know, those things they got to take into consideration and stuff. So, I, you know, I, obviously, you know, it, his kids are becoming more and more high profile. Does he say to himself, I want to step back, and, you know, and retire early? I don't know. Or does he say, you know, I want to, he's always said he wants to wait until his son gets to the league. I, don't, I mean, who knows if his son's going to be in the league uh, one and done or straight out of high school. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that, the, again, it, it's, he's going to have to make his argument on accomplishments, similar to Tom Brady. Because I don't think anybody that, that's a fan of Tom Brady and thinks he's the best player of all time thinks he's the most talented player of all time, you know, or thinks he's the most dominant in a in, in an individual, from an individual player standpoint. Right. It's just the guy won every year, it felt like, or yeah. he was in the mix every year. That's what LeBron is. LeBron, if he if he hasn't won a championship, he's pretty much been. In the yeah, he's, he's at he's in the finals. He's in the finals every year. Yeah. So at some point, it's just like, man, you know, I mean, the guy either is in the finals or he wins it every year. That's gonna that's gonna help his case, you know. And Jordan, I I, I agree. Look, him not playing those three those two three years like that that obviously you it hurts it hurts his case and it helps his case because it gives. You know, people that do think he's the best of all time to say, look, he would have won three more if he wouldn't have would have never left. Obviously, that's a hypothetical. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. you know, the people that don't think he's the best will say, well, we, again, we don't, we don't know what would have happened. You know, he, he he left three years. You know, that was three years he just never had. Yeah. I, I, th- and to be that, fair, it's only, it's only one season and then he came back late in the next season. So right, exactly. Like almost two years. Yeah, exactly. So... Those people, that 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 conversation now, I don't know. I mean, it's, and you said it, I don't know, I think you might have said it, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, but you said, you made the, the forecast that when we look two, three years from now, I don't know when you said it, you might have said it, you might have said five years down the line, ten years, that you said that people, we're going to look at LeBron Wide, widely as the best player of all time. Whether yeah, that, that's that's the feeling. Not, I, that's the feeling I had, and that's the I lean still towards that. Right. I think that we underestimate his. I mean, we underestimate one. We estimate his greatness, but yes, I was going to say that. I think we underestimate his influence on the media too, and the media writes the stories and they create the narrative. I mean, the player has to go out there and perform, and he he's going to perform. He's amazing, but. When you, when you control so much of the narrative, I mean, again, like I said before, Jordan had that same luxury. Like, when, when you have that much power and you're able to control the narrative the way the megastars are, that that paints perceptions in a different way. So, to me, I'm like, well, Jordan's influence on this current media core isn't as great as LeBron by the time he's near the end or at the end. And LeBron will have some unbelievable uh unprecedented accomplishments to his name and we're seeing it i mean we see people who are obviously clutch tied and clutch people on tv spouting his praise i mean it's and again i can't even really be mad at it because i've said this on the show when you're the best these are the things you get to do (laughs) if you don't like it then get someone else to be the best but like um 
But to me, yeah, that's the feeling I've had is that is that he will do enough. I don't know what that enough means. I don't know, to be honest. But I think he'll do enough that by the time he's retired, we'll be talking like we'll, it'll be received by a lot of people that he is the greatest of all time. Um, I got to see what he does before I can make that so, case. But to me, like I, I said, get, getting to six, I think, is a must for me to really take him seriously. And I think uh, what would really help his case is winning winning three in a row. The, the last and, thing this, and he's got to do it in the next few years. He's not going to win three in a row beyond this. The last thing I want to mention yes. Last thing on this, we gotta move on. <laughs> that AD is a he's gonna opt out. He's gonna resign. Yeah, he's gonna That's resign. And look, I don't know what to make AD. You know, I'm, I guess he, look, he's got a championship. Good for him. Um, you know, Kyrie's got a championship. So I mean, what is yeah, Kyrie yeah, yeah. This this this, er, yeah, this era kind of sucks in that regard. Like. Like it's just not the same, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and yeah, maybe some, maybe some people say it's for the better, but like, I know AD has a ring now. It's like, and I, I don't want to do the thing on taking guys away. He played great. Let me be clear. Um, he he was a superstar from the minute the playoffs started to the end. Styles himself as clearly one of the best four players probably in the NBA. He was that good. But like, I guess the, the, it's just still going to be part of me. It's just like, man, like. Like we want to see this kind of guy like rise up and carry his team to the title. Like, I don't right. want to see him and, and look, join I, I LeBron. I like just I didn't want to just I didn't want to see KD join stuff. Just I didn't want to see LeBron join Wade. Like like it, it, it's it's just a different era. This, this is what it is. But it's just it's just, it's just elevate AD's legacy that much. It, I mean, it, like he's got it. No, it does. I mean, he had a game winner in the, in the conference finals. That was a, a must win game. Like to me, like do I now say like, oh, you know, Dame Lillard doesn't have a championship, or Giannis doesn't have a championship, but AD does. So AD's like in a tier above those guys. Like, no, I mean like AD, like just like it's the same conversation, you know, when Kyrie won a championship, and like you know, is now is Damian Lillard is Kyrie in a tier above John Wall and Damian Lillard? Like, no, those guys were played with LeBron. They probably would have a championship too, if. You know, if there was another great player that you know, a top ten player that was on this team, would they have won a championship? Probably. I don't. And again, I don't say I don't know. I don't because we don't know. It's hypothetical. So you want to say I don't know, but I just don't want people to now you know overrate. I don't say overrate because he's a great player, but overreact to eighty now having a championship. We did it with Kyrie, and I did it with Kyrie to some extent when the Celtics got him. Like, oh man, this guy's got a championship. It was, it was nice, but as we saw. With Kyrie post LeBron, he's he's a limited. I wouldn't say he's a limited player. I mean, he's a, he is a limited player. Like he's not just because he has a championship doesn't mean he's like he's unflappable or you know he's untouchable. And that's that's the thing that I want people to to, to think with AD. He's a great talent, but as we saw in New Orleans, can't carry a team right now. Um, yeah, I mean, that, I you know I, I don't I don't want to. Uh... I don't want to diss AD. I feel like you're being harsh on him today. Um, he has a championship. He played outstanding. I, I wish, because he was so great and because he he showed just how talented he was, I just wish, and, you know, I don't know. Maybe LeBron starts to decline and maybe it does kind of become his team, but I guess I just wish, like, I, want, I wanted to see what kind of talent, like, like what him with, like, a competent team. I understand New Orleans was not competent. I, I get that. I'm not here to litigate what they did when they had him. But I guess 
You know, Shaq went to the Lakers, but the Lakers weren't that good when he went there. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of why LeBron's thing is, like, is very impressive. He didn't go to the Lakers, you know, that good. Now, he did get somebody to come with him eventually. But, like, uh, but like I still kind of would like to see, like, him being, like, the alpha dog on a team and doing this. Like, it's just, the, it's just the, to me, it's the fan. Like, a lot of people think that it's just, like, the hater in you. It's like, no, it's the it's actually the fan in me. Like, that's, he's so great. I want to see him push to that limit. Like, I want to see, like, because that's, you know, the pressure makes diamonds. And that's kind of, like, the idea we have with these athletes. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, he took the easy way out or anything like that. I'm not playing that game. Um, but I, I, it's just the fan in me looks at this and says, well, look, he was great. He was a, he clearly put a, together a championship performance. Um, and he's got a great luxury playing next to, a, you know, the greatest player of the generation, LeBron James. Um, I wish he, he was not. I wish he was playing where he was the number one guy. He had to be the leader of the, of the team. And, I think the most um, impressive guy out of all of this is Rich Paul. Yeah, Rich Paul. I mean, he's he's the kingpin right now. I mean, he's uh, he clutch forces. Clutch forces running everything, and uh, nothing again, nothing but praise for everything they got going on over there. We gotta move on. We we spent like forty minutes on the Lakers and and uh, LeBron and everything. Uh, let's let's quickly go through this other stuff. So, the Clippers have hired Teron Lue as their new head coach. He's agreed to a five year deal. Five years being um, very much. Uh, eye-opening for some people uh he was obviously their assistant coach this past season he was there uh he's obviously won a head nba championship with the cavaliers coaching lebron james during that uh series where they came back from 3-1 against the warriors he came in as an interim during that year uh after david black got fired this is the second head coaching job chauncey billups kendall reportedly set to join the staff Again, I gotta give myself a pat on the shoulder, a pat on the pat on the back, give myself a round of applause. I felt like this was the move that made sense for the Clippers, and um, this is what they did. So I agree with it. I think that this is the right hire. I think Teron Liu has a particular experience that I think fits well with this job. Um, he's coached high level talent. He's coached. Um, let me put this nicely. Diverse personalities in high pressure situations, um, or at least high visible situations, and he's he knows what it's like to be the assistant, watch the dumpster fire take place, and figure it out. Like that's a unique. Those are three unique experiences that particularly the Clippers need right now. And Lou has already proven he could do that. We could talk about, you know, what kind of coach is Tyrone Lou really without LeBron James? To me, to me, it's just like he has elite. He still has elite talent, so it doesn't that that kind of doesn't matter. Like if you were telling me he was coaching the Kings, maybe I'd say I don't know if this is the best fit. But he's coaching. He last time he coached elite talent, he went to the finals every time he coached them. Um, this time. He's coaching elite talent again. He's not coaching LeBron James, but he's coaching, uh, you know, obviously Kawhi Leonard being one of the elite players in this league, an NBA champion, multiple-time NBA champion. I don't know what Paul George is, but he's an all-star. Um, and they and they have a roster that is it can stack up with pretty much every team in the Western Conference. All the all the the, the position, all the Tuchels are in the right place for Teron Lue to succeed, succeed here 
and particularly Kendall, I think this is a good fit because the the Clippers' issues are not X's and O's. It's in-game management, and it's upstairs. It's knowing which which right guys are playing, who not to play at, at the certain times. Doc messed that up during that last series with Denver, and it's just being the armchair, being the the the, the sideline psychologist. And some teams need that. And again, Teron Lue showed me that he could do that at a very high level in Cleveland. So I have no issues with this hire. I have nothing bad to say about it. I don't, I mean, is there, there's a downside to every hire, but I don't really see one here. You know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but I, I don't, I can't hate them for this move. And I like Chauncey yeah. Billups. I also like quickly, I like Chauncey Billups joining the staff because that gives me a little, and Larry Drew is supposed to join as well. He also was on that Cleveland staff. That, gives me the hint of this is not going to be exactly the same. Like having a brand new voice, guy who's never coached before, who's been watching this clown show, because that's let's be honest, that's what the Clippers were during these these playoffs, uh, take place um, in a, with an attentive eye and watch this team have these issues over the course of the season. Now he comes in as a kind of a neutral voice. I think that, that, I think that this is, they have the right thing set up. Uh, with this coaching staff so far. I like what they're doing in L.A. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Tyron Lue, uh, the, the head coach. Um, you know, I think his name is in a lot of these jobs. I mean, obviously, he won a championship. I, it's kind of like the AD thing where I'm like, look, yeah, you got a ring. You know, credit to LeBron. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a top five or ten coach in the league. Um, you know, I think... He is he's not the worst coach in the league. He, he's fine. Um I think this Clippers team, you I would think that this would be a job where with Steve Bomber's uh checkbook and with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George that he could have gotten, you know, a big name. But this I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the who deal. who is that big name? Yeah, I'm say, yeah, I was about to say I, I mean know. I think I think Lou is a big name. He's an NBA championship coach. No, yeah, Lou's a big name, but like I don't think he's an elite coach. So Okay, but who's an elite name that's a better coach than Lou? Greg Popovich? I don't. Yeah, I don't want to jump to Popovich because because Kawhi Leonard is never playing for him. Right. Yeah. That. That. Yeah. First of all, yeah, that was never going to happen. And you know, I mean, I don't like just jumping to some guy that, that, that has a job. You know, I mean, we, we just think that Popovich is available. But um, I don't know. I, I I don't know who that name is. I don't know if it's a college coach. I don't know if it's a Guy who hasn't coached in a while, um, but I just I just feel you when when you're when you're talking about a team that is again it's the most desired job you would think out there to not be able to attract I don't know maybe again maybe there's not nobody else better out there but um, no, it feels like there was very little innovation in this hire. It just feels like it was a, uh, it, it it was what you're comfortable with. With the, it, with but sometimes, the, but sometimes, with, Kendall, like sometimes, you know, reinventing the wheel is a bad thing. Like, you know, the the Cavaliers reinventing the wheel with John Beeline stunk. You know, uh, you know, the Lakers, you know, reinventing the wheel with Mike D'Antoni stunk. Like sometimes, doing the crazy outside the box thing, sometimes that doesn't make sense. Given the circumstances, I don't think that necessarily made sense. Given this team's circumstances, 
This team, again, doesn't need some radical system change. or They need stability. They need, again, more of like a, a sideline psychologist. And they need someone who could deal with personalities that are just up and down. Like that, like they, they, they need, they needed someone who could, who could, who could ride with this team through these ups and down waves. And Doc clearly was not able to do that with this unit. I think he's a great coach, but it just wasn't working out with this team. And I think he had some X's and O's. And again, it wasn't really X's and O's, but it was more like, it was more rotational blunders, really. I, I don't think it was like anything they were doing in terms of plays they were running or things they were running that didn't work. It was, you know, if Lou Williams and, and, and Harold getting crushed and pick and roll, at a certain point, you got to take one of them guys out. Like, especially when none of them, especially when Lou's not giving you any offense. Like, at a certain point, there's just some things you got to do. Or if Lou is in a, that much of a funk for three, four weeks after the whole, you know, Magic City situation, you need someone that can talk to him and get him back in the groove. I'm not saying Doc didn't try, but clearly it didn't work. Like, or do something to get him back in the groove. I've seen... Uh, I've seen, you know, Ty Lue get the best out of J.R. Smith. I mean, enough said. <laughs> I mean, J.R. Smith, you know, who knows all the stuff that he has to deal with. Um, and, and and we know what kind of personality he's been. And he played There's, great ball for the Cavs in big situations. Every team in the NBA, EJ's got five assistant coaches. Four or five assistant coaches. You know, he couldn't find somebody from a different team. Even if it's somebody that hasn't coached. Not, it's not going to be a guy who's accomplished as Ty Lue. You're just you're oh, getting yeah, a worse you're getting a, a less accomplished coach if you do that. You you are getting a less accomplished coach, but and sometimes I you know I think that speaks to Balmer being a new coach or I mean, being a newer owner who kind of insulated himself with just his guys, and Doc brought in just his guys. And so I don't know what, what the network is even like. You know, like Lawrence Frank, like who. You know, you would think Lawrence Frank would have a lot of connections, but a lot of people in the league don't really like Lawrence Frank. I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't know. You know, like it's just it's just odd to me that they couldn't. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of smart minds in the NBA that haven't gotten head coaching jobs. I mean, Adrian Griffin. You know, there's people out there that you haven't even that people haven't even looked at. I just think that this team, this it doesn't have to be Adrian. Adrian, like Adrian Griffin has he he's by all accounts up next. In terms of a guy that's going to get an NBA coaching job, um, but I just don't think he's coming in and Will commanding Hardy. that lock, commanding that locker room. I don't think any of those guys are coming in and commanding this locker room. This this was a weird locker room that's been documented. I don't want to say fractured because it, it seems like how bad things were is like depending on who you ask. I don't think I, I didn't think things weren't like a mess, but it, it just the mojo wasn't all there clearly. And I, I just don't think some guy that's never coached in the NBA is fixing this team that's trying to win a championship. The stakes are too high. You have to go with someone yeah. who knows how to maneuver that kind of locker room or any that's kind of locker I room. I always say the, uh, the grass isn't always greener when you fire a uh, you fire a coach. I said it with Doc because I thought, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's the Clippers. I mean, you, you, you surely can get a better coach than Doc. But Tyron Lue... I don't know. He's coached for a while. He's just—he's not a better coach than Doc Rivers. I mean, maybe he's a better fit, but I mean, one for one, I'm not—I wouldn't rather have Ty, Ty Lue as my coach than Doc Rivers. Um, I think the Sixers were Sixers had a chance at getting either one, and they preferred Doc. 
Yeah, as soon as, as soon as Doc Rivers was on the market, they they said peace out, Ty. Yeah, we I got mean, our guy and Dan Tony. It's not it's not the end of the uh, it's not the end of the world. It's not, they're going to be contenders next year, and Doc and Ty Lue could win a championship. And you know, I mean, if he does, I mean, again, merit you know you know credit to him. Um, Phil Jackson's only only coach to great players, only one with great players. Not doesn't mean Phil Jackson's not a great coach, but I don't know. You know, Ty Louie just he's always left uh, a lot to be desired. I liked Chauncey Billups. I really like Chauncey Billups, and I would have just made him the head coach. But the fact that he's there makes me makes this more of a positive than a negative. You know, then but it's not what I would have done. But Chauncey being there as an assistant does add that level of, like you said, um, shakeup. Lawrence Lawrence Frank, get a point guard. That's what you need right now. Get a guy who can get the ball. To your best players in easy spots and good spots, Patrick Beverly not cutting it. Sorry, you need to get so, some. Like, you need like, to get someone else. Let's hire uh, Chauncey Bills and Ty Luke. <laughs> <laughs> now we got two point guards on the bench. No, no, we need a guy on the court. Um, just like the Bucks, they had the same remedy. They need a floor general. That's what I'm imploring the Clippers to do. They get that done. I think the Clippers will be a contender again next year. Daryl Morey, Kendall, is out. In Houston, he has resigned. Um, according to sources, uh, they say that Maury says that this was his decision. It was 100% his decision. He wasn't pushed out by the ownership, despite the friction we knew existed after the China, the, the pro Hong Kong tweet that happened in the preseason that led to that major controversy and issue with China, where they ended their relationship with the NBA up until literally this finals. I think they finally aired their first NBA game during these NBA finals. Um, but, of course, even after that, Rockets, very up-and-down season, ended with a first-round exit. No, just me, second-round exit, not first round. They almost got bounced out of the first round. They they, almost, they went seven games with Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma City had a couple of shots to knock them out, uh, but they were unable to. But they, uh, they, they were knocked out by the Lakers in five games. This, first of all, just for uh, more housekeeping purposes, uh, Vice President of Basketball Operations, Raphael Stone, expected to be the general manager. Um, Kendall, I wrote this on Twitter, and this is how I still feel. I'm not surprised that Maury's no longer in Houston. I'm surprised by the timing. Um, the timing to me suggests something is afoot in regards to direction. Because they they moved on from D'Antoni, or D'Antoni moved on from them, whatever you want to say, however that went out. And they were full-blown, and still are full-blown in a coaching search. They're interviewing people. Jeff and Gunny just spoke to them the other day. He's supposed to speak with them today again, I think. Uh, they've been talking to John Lucas. They were talking to Teron Lou. They've been talking to a bunch of coaches during this time period. And obviously, the general manager is going to be instrumental in the coaching hire here. And yet, in the midst of the coaching hire, where you haven't gotten anybody... Maury is out. Um, it is weird. I did see a report. I think it was on Mark Stein. Shout out to Mark Stein. He said that there is uh, more momentum leaning towards John Lucas to be the head coach, which is interesting. Um, I like John Lucas. He's, he's been on the staff. He's been yes, he has been on the staff. Um, he's not coaching the NBA in a long time. Like, I think I tweeted. He has like if he becomes a head coach, it would be like the the like the maybe the longest. Uh, Tenure of not being an NBA coach between jobs, like he, he last coached in the NBA in like two thousand three, 
Like, it's crazy that he's really has a great shot at this job, potentially. But I don't know. I get the feeling that maybe there's a situation where Maury has had either has someone in mind or someone that he doesn't necessarily want. And I'm thinking maybe ownership or maybe the rest of his staff is is leaning towards someone else. And he decided that he didn't want to move on with a guy that he didn't believe in. Because that's the only thing reason. That's the only way I could explain why this is going down like this. It does not make sense to be midway through your coaching search and then your your GM leaves or fire your GM. That doesn't happen. To me, that only happens if there was a decision that was about to be made that that left the situation untenable for somebody. And um, I don't know. You know, again, Jeff Van Gundy is being talked about. The first thing that I jumped to, I know our dad jumped to when we texted in our group chat was, you know, or maybe it was you, I don't know who it was, but it was like, you know, is Van Gundy going to get that job where he's going to be general manager? Yeah, it was you. Yeah. He's gonna be a general manager, and, he, and he's gonna be the you know what's the name? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't. They hired. They've hired. They they hired Daryl Morey, one of his VPs of basketball operations. They, I mean, the Rockets have like, I've looked at their front office. They've had like they have like multiple. One, yeah. Mike McNair, is in Sacramento now, uh, which led to the Gentry thing. Um, but uh, they just promoted Raphael uh, Stone to be the GM. Exactly. Yeah. So. Now, I mean, they don't have a president of basketball operations, so could the president, could the coach become that? I mean, maybe, but you get the impression that if you're going to hire Lucas and you're promoting from within, that spending money to then give a guy an even greater title than your GM doesn't seem likely. It seems like maybe you're cutting costs. That's yeah, the impression which I'm getting. sounds like Tillman Fertitta. It does. And... Mm-hmm. With that being said, Kendall, that leads me to the question of are James Harden's days numbered in Houston? I'd argue maybe they should be. And maybe it's crazy. I know I floated out Harden to the Clippers a couple weeks ago, but I think if Houston is going to be realistic about just where their standing is, I, to me, <laughs> I feel bad for Russell Westbrook, but to me, like, they what the Thunder was last year. Like, I think you got to look at, look at your standing, look at your roster, and look at the trajectory of the rest of the West, rest of the Western Conference. The Lakers are better than you. Clippers are still probably better than you. Dallas is ascending. Denver is ascending, and Denver was better than you this year. The Warriors are coming back. Where does Houston fit in that picture with James Harden and Russell Westbrook? Not of any, not anywhere of any consequence. They're not in this picture of a championship or competing for a title. They are just a fun team that scores a lot of points and has one guy that can score 60 or 70 in, in the, on an any given night and is a great show to watch. But that's all they are. I think that Houston is in the dangerous position of coming back next year with all these same guys and having themselves fall even lower in the standings. And maybe you're talking about a 7 for 8 seed Houston Rockets team. I think it's that serious. Especially when you're talking about new coach Probably philosophy change in regards to how you how you're operating your basketball team because we know Houston deep into analytics more than any other team and losing Maury and losing D'Antoni suggested moving away from that so there's going to be an adjustment period. If you're being realistic, what what is the point at that point of having this kind of roster if you're uh, the Houston owner? Like, why wouldn't you decide I need to start cutting costs and start this rebuild somehow? I. I didn't. I didn't, I really didn't legitimately think that Harden would be up for the, on the trade block this offseason. 
Now I think it's it's very possible. Yeah, um, I think it's possible as well. Uh, I think it's gonna be it's, it's tough because a lot of it may come down to what happens with the coach and. Um, like you said, how that will shake out if they hire a big name and that guy becomes the the, the head of operations as well, then I'd imagine that guy would want to keep Harden. Um, if they just hire John Lucas and say this is where we what we're doing going forward, then they may just blow it up. Um, look, I don't think they're better off by losing Maury. Uh, I don't think that this is good news. Um, Rockets fans so aren't very happy. Uh, they feel like this is Tillman Fertitta being an incompetent owner. Uh, and it basically made, made things worse after Les Alexander left. But people people didn't didn't think it was possible. Uh, <laughs> Les Alexander wasn't very good. They were so happy when Fertitta bought the team. And Fertitta has been, he's been awful. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's called nothing but problems. Yes, yes. He's, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I think. The team that everyone has to look out for this all season is the Miami Heat. Because yes. the Miami Heat, we had the conversation, I want to say it was maybe before the playoffs. It wasn't long ago, but it wasn't in the last month. We had the conversation about, like, do, do the Heat have enough to, to get Giannis in the trade? And at the time, I think this might have been, like, when they were when they were facing the Bucks in the, in the playoffs. And... At the time, it was like, what's their package? I mean, what, Hero, Robinson? I'm, I, and I, I kept saying that the, the package has to include Bam. And even he kept then, saying it has to include Bam. And even then, I'm still not sure if, if someone else won't beat that package. Right. But that Celtic series and then the Lakers series definitely changes the, the value of the Heat package, the Heat trade superstar trade package. Because now Tyler Hero... Looks like he was one of the three or four best players in his draft. Even I underrated him. And I was a big fan of him coming out of the draft. Duncan Robinson, obviously, it looks like one of the best shooters in the league all playoffs. And Bam Adebayo is a legitimate all-star. So, I, I mean, could they move uh, some combination of, of their best young players for... Now, Kendrick Dunn's value got hurt in the playoffs. But could you move some of their... Best young players for James Harden potentially, or I would argue, and I would argue that Harden would be probably easier to acquire than Giannis would be. I don't think he'd cost you as much. He's yeah, not as good as, he's not as good as Giannis. Yeah, the bidding war, but but at the same time, he you have more control. So I I, I agree that Giannis is one of the guys where you kind of don't care how long you have him. I think the idea though is that my if he goes to Miami, he's resigning. Right, so I, I'm just saying, so I'm thinking like. So I'm thinking like in the league like who's no but i'm saying i think that if you're milwaukee i'm asking for more because i'm thinking that like i'm giving it i'm giving him to a team that he very likely would want to resign with so in terms of the value right but but miami then will have to say well i mean who's who who we who we bidding against you know now the lakers didn't care for andy davis but you know some would say the lakers they were only desperate because of the lebron timeline lebron was like i'm not playing a year without anthony davis like just wasting another year of my career, he was right about that. But, um, but the Heat could say, I mean, we're not, we don't got to trade for Giannis now. We could wait till the offseason. But, um, but like Harden, you know, I don't know. 
we'll see. Um, I, I definitely feel like the Heat are the team. You know, there have been the rumors also about Philly. That was when D'Antoni was was involved in the conversation. But does Philly make a move? Yeah, I think I think Philly's Philly Philly is going to be a big team to watch because I think that you know their Philly is almost like the the East uh, Houston a little yeah. bit. You know, like they're younger, so you don't feel maybe as bad about their nucleus. But you look at their team, and you're just like, Boston's better. Miami just went to the finals. Giannis is right now still in the, in the, with the Bucks. Like, how are you getting to the NBA finals? It ain't happening. So, are you gonna just wait until these other teams have bad luck, and maybe you're the last team standing, or do you make a move to try to change that? So, I think Philly is definitely a player. And I think that a package starting with Ben Simmons would absolutely interest Houston. I think they would 100% think about it. I think a package involving Embiid would also interest me. I think so, too. I agree. Especially with the, um, the legacy you know, the, of Yeah, the legacy of big men with the Houston Rockets, legacy of African big men with the Houston Rockets. Um, I think there's no question that Embiid would be someone that they would think about, too. So... Yeah, I don't know. I think Harden. I think Harden stays a number in Houston. I really do. Um, I did not expect that to be the case this offseason. You know, my talk about Harden getting traded a couple weeks ago was you know me being aggressive Clippers GM if I was trying to make something big happen. But with Maury gone, I think that leaves a lot of things open. So that's going to be a very interesting situation to follow moving forward. Um, and real quickly, Kendall, we should talk a little bit about just uh, where the the status of COVID stands. By the way, before we continue, um, the the Rays are still not the AL American League champions right now. The you know, a walk off win for the Astros, um, walk off home from Korea, uh, means that the Astros live another live to fight another day. Game six will be um, coming up, but um, also one last thing on this Mori thing, which is interesting. His his stepping down day is effective November first, which is weird. This is a, a, a detail I didn't know until just now. But uh, like, so he's gonna he's gonna help them get a coach and then bounce. Yep. I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Everything Houston does is weird. Like, I'm sorry. For Teta, like that, like we, you got to figure out that that that's that sounds crazy. Like I don't like for he to seem like an owner that won't be an owner in like five six years. For Houston Rockets fans' sakes, I hope that's the case. Because, like, he makes how are you gonna have a guy running your organization and helping run your draft, and he's stepping down? I don't know. This just looks really weird. Unless maybe there's some. Unless the you know. Unless there's some. You know, I said there's some kind of risk, but maybe it's maybe it's a personal issue with Daryl Mauer. We don't. We never. You never know what these deals are. Maybe he's. He's burned out to a certain degree, and maybe he's not someone looking for a job. I know Philly fans were demanding that he be put in. I, I saw a Knicks fan. I don't know why the Knicks. I don't know where he would fit with the Knicks organization, given their hierarchy right now. But I even saw a Knicks fan saying, "You gotta grab Maury." So, so I don't know. There will be people that'll be interested, but maybe he's not even interested in the job. I don't know. Very interesting. But anyway, just putting that out there. Uh, the Astros. Uh, so good news for Houston. They they are still alive, and and they will be. Fighting another day, so Kendall's uh, proclamation that the Rays would be AL AL chance by the end of the show is a 
not true. But anyway, let's let's talk about the situation with COVID. So I don't know. It's, it's, I guess this thing is just disheartening to me. Um, obviously, you know, our prayers and our, our thoughts are with Nick Saban, head coach of Alabama. He tested positive for COVID. Last I saw, he was asymptomatic, which I guess is good. But um, we know how this virus can take a turn, particularly with the elderly. And Nick Saban is uh, a senior, so I, I hope that he is able to recover um, and there aren't any lingering issues. We also have some players at Florida that tested positive. And now their uh, primetime matchup with LSU is postponed. I, I just got to say, I feel terrible for the players and I feel terrible for the school, obviously, that be dealing with this. But Dan Mullen conducted himself like a clown at that press conference last week after they lost Texas A&M, saying that he wanted to pack 95,000 people into the swamp because he was upset that the 12th man in in, uh, at Texas A&M were too much for his team to handle and they lost. First of all, every time I watch Texas A&M, those games are very disturbing because there are a lot of people there. But to then turn around and say, well, now I want to put my fans at risk because I lost a football game is just the most clownish behavior I think I could see from a guy who's supposed to be a leader of men. Shame on him. And it's terrible that that this has now happened. And I, and I, and I kind of start to wonder... You know, COVID's tough. You could do everything right and still get it. But when I see now you got all these cases a week after you were saying that you want to try to get 100,000 people into a stadium to watch your games, it makes me wonder how serious were you really implementing these COVID restrictions in the first place? I'm going to leave it there. And the Atlanta Falcons, who, by the way, uh, another thing we should probably point out, um, rest in peace to uh, the NFL uh, writer for the Atlanta Falcons. I need to pull up his name. I don't have it uh, right in front of me. But um, uh, on uh, something. Um, uh, Vaughn McClure, uh, yeah. died at age 48, ESPN writer for, uh, I'm going to make sure I made this shout out, ESPN write out, ESPN reporter for the Atlanta Falcons, died suddenly, age 48, rest in peace to him and, uh, prayers with his family. Falcons had five players test positive for COVID. So now they're in a shutdown situation. We just had a game that was played on a Tuesday because the Titans had, these issues they've had now for weeks with uh, coronavirus uh, cases. Kendall, I don't know. I, I just it, it's this kind of stuff. It it help, It kind of takes the fun out of watching these games. It makes it hard for me to watch some of these games. You know, like the idea that we all knew that playing sports the way these sports were going to try to do it was just going to be dangerous there's no other way to describe it it was just going to put people at risk there was no question and to see now i'm not a doctor so we make that clear and i'm not a u.s official we make that clear as well but the educated guess and just kind of the surveying the hypothesis i can surmise in terms of where we're at in this country is the second wave is here second wave of coronavirus is happening it's happening right now why is that? Because months ago, the NFL was having no t- no coronavirus cases. Now, all of a sudden, we're getting cases. People that we didn't hear about getting COVID, now public figures are getting COVID again. Whatever, I don't even want to call it a good period because we were still losing you know, thousands of Americans during the summer. But whatever period that wasn't as bad with COVID, that is over. Now, the NFL is in this position where they're still having games, teams traveling, and 
it seems like they're having a tough time handling uh, this pandemic and con- containing this virus. And then you have college football, which is just the wild, wild west. I mean, there's some games where the crowd is, you know, is empty or there's barely any people in there. And, you know, it still feels like a dangerous situation. You've got kids traveling and stuff like that, but at least there's not a lot of fans in there. And then you, you, you turn on, again, the Texas A&M game. You turn on some of these games. Uh, you watch a Georgia football game. And it just looks like it's any give any normal Saturday in the fall. It's packed house. Nobody's wearing masks. I mean, the 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 Red River sh- rivalry. Uh, one of my favorite rivalries. Kendall knows this. One of my favorite rivalries in college football. I love the pageantry. I love the stadium. I love the state fair in the background. Oklahoma, Texas at the Cotton Bowl. I don't think it really gets much better for college fo- in college football. The last thing I wanted to see was to see all those people packed in together in the Cotton Bowl for that game. There's, there's no excuse for that to have happened. And there just doesn't seem to be any, there's just no uh, no effort to even try to limit this virus. And it's it's starting to get scary for me because I just feel like we're, we're steps away from something tragic happening. We keep playing around um, and we keep not taking this seriously when the right avenues could have been done to make this more safe. That's what's so frustrating because the NBA season that we just talked about just wrapped up. No COVID cases at the bubble. And I was one of the ones that said, I didn't think that that was possible. I thought that there just was no way you can go a whole you know, summer, basically, and a whole season and not have any cases. You're going to have issues. And, and I didn't. I thought that it was just not safe to really go forward with this. I would have preferred they not played. But I'm glad they did because they had no cases and ended up being fine. And that was awesome. And we got great basketball and they um, raised their profiles and raised awareness of important issues. And I'm happy it all went down the way it did. But at the same time, the football, uh, college football and the NFL both saw the infrastructure that was there with the NBA. And they both had more time than the NBA to try to make something happen. And their greed and their uh, laziness. And their ignorance didn't allow them to keep themselves or their fans as safe as possible. And now this is what we have happening. We have games getting postponed. We have iconic coaches getting sick because they're not being, they're not taking the right protocols because they're out there playing games like normal. Um, this is a shame. This is a shame. And I really hope this turns around. But I just feel bad. Like I, every time I see another headline. X player has COVID, therefore a whole game canceled. Like I just, it just I look at this and I'm like, man, the fire that these sports are playing with is so dangerous. And I mentioned the NBA by the way. We also got to give a shout out to hockey. They also were able to finish their season. Uh, I don't know if they had any. I don't think they had any cases. If they did, they didn't have a big spread or any kind of outbreak. Uh, Hawaii bubble was right there, man. The NFL could have easily done a Hawaii bubble, and they didn't even try. And now this is what they have. I just hope to God everybody survives and that we don't have anyone with any serious health issues because of the situation, this mess that it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, um, I mean, look, I think the, the bubble thing is obviously that's the way to go. You know, we mentioned that, um, I actually think this season's held up more than I better than I would have expected. I thought this would get bad early. But um the NFL should they should take a week or two off. That's what I would advise. Kind of reset. 
get everybody right, get everybody quarantined, isolated. Um, players shouldn't be living at home. They should all be living at hotels for the entire Absol- season. Absolutely. Um, you know, and look, that, that may feel archaic, but like, don't play football. They don't play football during a pandemic. Forcing you to play, like, if, you know, if you're not going to have a bubble, if the NFL doesn't want to do, then the only way you should be able to do this is to have these guys. Because if you have these guys all doing their own thing, that's the recipe for disaster. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the NFL, at least they're testing these guys all the time. So, but even then, what? How well? How well is that? Because you can test negative and still have it, still be exposed to it, or still have been exposed to it. So exactly. Uh, I don't know. Um, the, the the season's happening how we how we said it would, and it sounded crazy at the time, but they're doing it, which is. You're just gonna play until you're just gonna play, and if someone got it, then they just can't play. And if someone doesn't have it, even if they're on the same team, then they're they're free to go out there. Which doesn't really make that much sense, but who cares? They've they, like they've we've moved on from treating it like the Rudy Gobert situation, where once Gobert had it, the whole league had to shut down. Now now it's just just test everybody, and just if someone's got it, then they can't play. You know, it's a different way, much different mindset, mindset than we had in March. But obviously, you know, we have more information now, so we don't have to necessarily treat it like that. But like you said, you know, even that model is definitely playing with fire. Um, you know, I think it has been good for the country that the season has been back, um, both the NFL and, and, and college football. And, you know, it's allowed, uh, you know, I think it's helped the country in what has been a very tough time mentally but um but yeah yeah it's been it, it's not these situations haven't necessarily been the the monitored the best and i don't know how this is gonna the nfl is in a bad situation because they they seem dead set on this super bowl date and I, I just don't think it's possible eventually if the only thing they can do if they're gonna keep the super bowl date is have games just like have teams have to forfeit and yeah, and as I told you, I think that they that's what they should, I think the Titans should have forfeited one of their games. I, I just think that at a yeah, certain point, the Chiefs, when they were, or I don't, I don't know if it's the Chiefs game or this game, but the Steelers, not Steelers, um, Bills, one of those games, they should have had to forfeit. Yeah, they, absolutely. They, the most of the video came out of them practicing at some high school, and that, yeah. I mean, that them getting more cases after that, that, that was a nail in the coffin for me. Yeah, at a certain point, you got to just. Convenient for the other team. Now the Bills got to play another game next week. I would assume. Um, I mean, you talk about player safety. Now they're coming from a t- Tuesday and having to play another football game in five days. Like, yeah, this is not none of this stuff is ideal. Um, also, Le'Veon I would also. What did you say? I was gonna say Le'Veon Bell's on the Chiefs. Which, yes, Le'Veon Bell is signed with the Chiefs. Um, Clyde Blair, fantasy owner. I am tragically upset. Uh, yeah, the watching with the Jets, I, I think you'll be okay. <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, I think he's replacing in, in in NBA terms, he's not replacing the Clyde Edwards-Helaire minutes. He's replacing the Williams minutes. Right. Which, yeah. Uh, yeah. Williams is your like a uh, yeah. your your fourth back. You might be in a little trouble. Um, right. But yeah, Bell the Bell the Jets situation was a mess and disaster, and it ended as it should have with the Jets. Paying him all his guaranteed money, then still having to cut him and still having to owe him more money. Um, 
look, I, I think I don't think Bell is Bell is not the same player he was years ago. That to me, regardless of how bad the Jets are, that to me has looked very obvious in the years I watched him play with the Jets. Even though they've been uh, they've there's been injury issues with all the years he's been there. Um, but you know, he, Kansas City make a lot of guys look good. <laughs> so could he play he some decent ball with the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, I think he probably will. But will he be the old Le'Veon Bell? No way. That guy's dead and gone. Now, you want to know where I think Le'Veon Bell helps his team the most is as good as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is as a pass catcher, route runner, and runner of the football, um, his biggest weakness has always, even at back to LSU, is he's an awful pass blocker. Yeah. And you see it when late in games, we saw it this week against Oakland, we saw it against... um, even Baltimore, but late in games, they don't have Clyde Edwards Lair out there in big drives when they know they need to they need to start airing the ball out because he can't block anybody, and that hurts them because I mean he's a great player and yeah, it's one of your best time. players is on the sideline yeah exactly. yeah on the sideline. Le'Veon Bell is one of the better pass blockers in the league, has been, yeah. going back to Pittsburgh. Yeah, and even with the Jets, he was excellent in pass protection. In fact, I think that that, it, like, when he was out, it, it hurt the Jets' protection because he, right. he was also great in pass protection, and losing him to protect Darnold um, hurt. Now you have a guy in Le'Veon Bell that is not only, like you mentioned, one of the best pass protectors in the league, but also is has been historically one of the best catchers, pass catchers out of the backfield in the league. Yeah. And he can be a threat in the in as a route runner in the passing game. Now that gives Mahomes another weapon late in games. You don't have to feel like, man, we're taking Clyde out. You know, now it's just, you know, you know, it's the receivers and it's Kelsey. You don't really have to worry about who the running back is. But you know, the running back is only going to be in there to block. Now Bell gives you another dimension that they didn't have. Which, I mean, look, again, it does, does this make them, this isn't them getting Kevin Durant. This isn't Kevin Durant going to the Warriors. But this just gives them gives them an added piece where it's like, man, this offense is already, you know, Voltron. Now you give them another another piece, another area where one of their weaknesses now is getting filled. I mean, what can you say? Um, last thing, man, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, man, they might have a star in Justin Herbert. They might have a star, man. He he's looked good in the games we've seen him. This is last Monday night football game. He really lit it up. Obviously, they weren't able to keep the lead against the Saints, but he <laughs> you know just that sh- showed the whole repertoire in terms of his game. Yeah, I what was gonna say, you him? know that meme? The, the meme of James Franco where he's like, he's got a rope around his neck. He's like, first time. That that <laughs> to me, that's Joe Burrow looking at Justin Herbert, watching your boy Badgley, your your Kane, my oh, yeah. Kane, Badgley uh, yeah. choke that game away. And saying first time you had a kicker just screw you out of your first win, I mean, man, that was a uh, talk about a tough loss. Yeah, but I mean, he he looks good, man. And I told you, like when I watched the tape on Herbert, I became more impressed. I thought that, um, I thought that I really thought that Oregon offense hindered him. Like the more I watched, I was like, and then I looked at those skill players too, and I'm like, I, this guy has more ability than this. When you you see it in flashes. Question to me was, would it be consistent? And now you're seeing, oh, it's consistent. He ha- he can do this regularly against good defenses. He the kid looks like he 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 may have the right stuff. I mean, it's early. I don't want to crown him right now, but 
if you're a Charger fan, I think you should be really excited. I mean, he showed a lot of potential in that uh in that game, Monday Night Football, first Monday Night Football game ever. And he plays like that in the Superdome. Obviously, no fans, but still, very impressive stuff. Do you <laughs> think that there's any credence to the notion that the Dolphins should be second-guessing their choice of Tua over Herbert? Because apparently, while the Dolphins weren't as interested in Herbert, the Chargers thought Herbert and Tua were basically even. Like, that that's the word. I don't know if they're saying that now. It's got to make them look good. But their their idea was that they thought yeah, Herbert was almost just as good, if not better. The Miami Heat, the Miami Heat, like, we like Tyre Hero better than Zion. I mean, you know, <laughs> we were they were basically the same. To us. <laughs> nah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, I think, <laughs> I think uh, Herbert. You look, he looked very good. Um, Obviously, I look. I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor. I'll be honest. I'm gonna put that out. First there. of all, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrible what happened to Tyrod Taylor. Let me get that clear. I mean, look, the guy is one and zero. I've never seen this before. The guy go one and zero, and have the the team doctor take him out. He was. I mean, he was dealing with an injury, but like he was good enough to play. Probably if it was a playoff game, the team doctor take him out to where he could. No way he was playing with a punctured lung. So they have to put in the rookie. The rookie loses three straight games, not four straight games, and he's he's done for the and then Tyra Taylor benched. And it's like, man, you know, what was I supposed to do? Now, granted, I think Herbert's played better than Tyra Taylor did. Herbert Yeah, yeah, the one the better. one game Tyra Taylor played. He, <laughs> he should have lost the game. Yeah, he should have lost, you know, didn't play good, but you know, the record will show, you know, this is probably the first time it's ever happened. Um so I do feel bad for Tyrod Taylor, but he'll be fine when he collects that that uh, settlement money. Um, now, <laughs> on to the on to the Justin Herbert situation. It's tough for me. To, the Dolphins obviously Jerry's going to be out until we see Tua play, and you know the Dolphins they put it on the the San Francisco Forty ers I think they that did. had more to do with the Forty Nine. Forty Nine defense is a mess. I don't know what happened to Robert Sala's defense, but. There were times where there were touchdowns. I I, I I watched that game in depth, and there were times where there were touchdowns that Fitzpatrick didn't even see it. I'm just like, man, there's a lot of holes, <laughs> a lot of holes in that defense. But um, and a lot of it has to do with not having Nick Bosa and not get, there being no pass no no pass rush. Um, but I feel like you, again, you have to you have to see what Tua is and. Joe Burrow's looked so good, and he also hasn't play, hasn't won many games. You know, I think Herbert has looked very good, and I think in, in some are, in some respects has been, you know, better than Burrow. I think we've always thought that. I think we've always known that Herbert had more arm talent. Um, I still think Burrow is a, a, I would say two tiers ahead of Herbert, but some would probably say one. I think two might be a stretch, but, um, but no, I think Herbert. It's better than I probably would have guessed this early. Um, and the talent is definitely there. Again, there are people out there talking about Mahomes. And I'm so I'm getting so sick of the Mahomes comps because it's like... And I feel bad because, again, I, I on our YouTube channel, compared Drew Locke to Pat Mahomes. So I, I am as guilty of this as anyone else. But when I did it, he wasn't a Super Bowl champion. He was, I don't even think he was an MVP when I said it. But... Even if he was, he might have been an MVP, but he wasn't MVP. But still, I don't know. You know, I mean, so we're talking about Justin Herbert. There are plenty of quarterbacks that have played in the history of the game. I mean, I don't have a comp off the top of my head 
because Herbert's athleticism for being as tall as he is is, is impressive. Um, and then having the arm talent that he has is also impressive. So, to be honest, he kind of reminds me of Carson Wentz. Wentz is a good one. Now you've seen Carson Wentz up, up close. Side, athleticism, yeah, I, yeah. I've seen, I've definitely seen a lot of Wentz up close uh, in practice, um, and obviously up close in games. And I mean, he's he's not as He's not as big as Carson Wentz. I mean, Wentz is he's taller, but you know, Wentz is 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 he's got he Wentz is like he's like in between like there's Roethlisberger and then there's Herbert. Like I think Wentz is somewhere in between. Um, okay. So you know, but in terms of functional skill set, the like you said, the size, the athleticism, the arm talent, I agree. I think Wentz is a good comparison. Yeah, I. Yeah. I, I, I I, I, that's that's what I, that's what that's what I would say, and you know you're right. I mean, we gotta see what what Tua looks like, you know, before we completely say that he's you know, a mistake was made. He's he's such a wild card because I mean I watched the Tua documentary that aired on Fox recently. It's an excellent documentary, but and I recommend anyone to check it out. But it reminds you how good Tua was at Alabama. And what you what like you forget, you know, because he had the injury and that was all that conversation. Like I mean, I remember I there was a time when I I was I was almost certain man we're gonna look at Tua and say he's the greatest quarterback in college football history. And his thing got messed up by Trevor Lawrence first of all, <laughs> and second of all got messed up by uh, his Mississippi injury. Mississippi State yeah yeah Mississippi State defensive line. Um, because he didn't have a chance to to even to even uh, go up against Burrow a second time. So, um, I don't know. I you know it'll be it. it I don't know what Tua is post injury, but if you ask Trent Dilfer, he'll tell you Tua is going to be fine. You know, if you believe Trent Dilfer, who's obviously not necessarily a partial, uh, uh, an independent uh, person when it comes to this conversation, when it comes to Tua, but. If Tua is what he was before the injury, for all the injuries, then I'm still taking Tua in a heartbeat. And Tua, and then Tua and Burrow is still a conversation. I think Burrow is is better, even with Tua healthy. But it becomes a conversation because also Tua is younger, you know. But um, but yeah, it's, it, if Tua is healthy, it's no conversation. If but if Tua is not healthy, then Burrow is. I mean, uh, Herbert. Looks very healthy, very athletic. Can make all the throws. Isn't has you know he's willing to to make and take tough throws, but he's not. Uh, he's not stupid, you know. He's not. He, he's not. He's he gonna get rattled. It seems like, which is not not what we expected. I think people thought Herbert would be shakier and more rattled uh, early in his career than he has been. Um, but he also was playing on a decent team. You know, That's what I was gonna say. Like at the end of the day. You know, what I've seen from Herbert is the value of drafting a quarterback on a team that has actual talent. Because he's um, a, he's on a – I mean, like, I don't think he's better than Burrow, but, like, he's he's been in some ways more effective because he's, he's not getting sacked every play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like you know, we look at the, the crisis in New York City when it comes to football, and you look at these two young quarterbacks in the city struggling mightily. And I look at Herbert, and I'm not saying that you know Herbert isn't a great talent. I think he is. I'd like him coming to the draft, but it's just the 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 night and day comparisons to the actual weapons that you're dealing with 
when you're playing with the Chargers, you get to throw to a beast like Mike Williams. When you're throwing to Keenan Allen. Mike Williams, man. You got to run off the line. I, I didn't know if he was going to ever figure it out, but he figured it he out. He looks like he's figuring it out now. Like, <laughs> you, you got, you know, Hunter Henry. You, you, you're throwing to those kind of guys, and you're getting protected by a solid offensive line, and you got the, the raw talent he has. You'll figure it out. He's, and he's going to have some bad games. Like, you know, he's not going to be perfect every game. But your talent is going to help. Is going to figure it out with those other teams with, with, when you're playing with those other great players. When you're, you know, Daniel Jones, you're throwing to, you know, Golden Tate and Slayton, and you have no offensive line, and your running back is Devontae, Devontae Freeman, it's a little different. You're Sam Donald, you're throwing to Jameson Crowder, and Bashar Perriman can't even get on the field. Denzel Mims can't get on the field. You're throwing to Braxton Berrios. I love him. He's a cane, but still. Braxton Berrios and Chris and Herndon, he's a cane. I can't say I love him right now because he's been playing terrible. Those are the guys you're dealing with. It's just it's not about X and O's. It's about Billy's and Joe's. Like that that's that's all it is. And and the the players that Herbert's playing with has allowed him to have a great deal of success in these other young quarterbacks, whether it be the quarterbacks in New York or uh, even Joe Burrow. They just don't have that luxury. That's gonna do it. Oh, sorry. What are you gonna say? Last thing. I was say you realize there's no Thursday night football game tonight because uh. The Bills are supposed to play on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, they they did. Yeah, there's no Thursday night. They changed everything. Oh, the Bills, Chiefs, which would have been oh, that would have been a great I, game. Yeah, it would have been excellent. Yeah, now I like my fan. I like my fantasy situation. I have to pay like so much attention to the schedule and stuff now because of the changes and stuff. Yeah, I got messed up last week. At, like with teams being canceled yeah. and guys not playing or you know or games getting moved. It's it's, it's one, crazy. So you just, one more thing I, I wanted to ask you before we close out is. What do you make of the Dak situation? Oh yeah, I did. I'm glad you mentioned that. First of all, I want to also give a shout out and thoughts and prayers to Dak Dak Prescott, obviously with the terrible ankle injury. Yeah, very sad situation. Dislocation Uh fracture. We know he was dealing with some um, mental health issues coming into the season, and he lost his brother, and now you had this happen to him. Is no one in a contract year in which the the Cowboys were very stingy and not wanting to give him the money he was asking for yes um you don't feel good about anything that happened with that situation and i'll be honest i do look at the cowboys with the, in a certain light when i hear them talking about oh well, that is still always going to be our franchise guy and he's always going to be our guy and that's we, very we bizarre to say that i, I don't want to hear you say that when you were fighting this guy in a bare knuckles brawl over money and you never came to an agreement you never gave him anything I don't yeah. want to hear you after he breaks his ankle in two, eight places and it's basically hanging off his leg, you now saying that you love him that much. I don't want to hear that. Um, if I'm Dak Prescott, I don't want to hear that. I'd be very, I'd actually probably be very upset with uh, some of the stuff coming from ownership, the Cowboys, and the front office of the Cowboys. I'll get, it's it's, it's I a tough situation. I, I, you know, luck, I, 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 luckily, it, it feels like the kind of injury he, he will be able to come back from. Um, which is obviously good news. No, no guarantees, obviously, in this sport. But um, yeah, it's just gonna but, take but, time. Yeah, it's gonna um, take time. But I'm hopeful that he comes back. And also, shout out real quickly to Alex Smith, who has completed the greatest comeback in NFL history. If you ask me, I don't care what he does. In fact, he stepped on the football field and played in an NFL game after almost <laughs> losing. Yeah, he took multiple sacks from Aaron Donald, uh, and, and he still is standing after almost losing his leg. That that was some remarkable stuff. I just. Need to give yeah, him a shout out today too. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, 
like the Bridgewater situation. Yeah. yeah. That was also another big one. Um, Washington, man. I, the Haskins, uh, that's that's a bad situation, man. Yeah. I don't even know what to make of that. It sounds like the, the word behind the scenes is that Haskins has been kind of, not a problem, but just been lazy. Not working hard. Wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Not, and, I, and, and I say that to say that he's a young player, and like that, that, that feels like. I guess the question I have is, I don't, I don't dispute that maybe he's not showing the level of focus and attention needed to be a starting quarterback. I guess my question though is, how much is the team? How much rope are they giving him to kind of learn that 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 comes with the job? <laughs> right, yeah, Ron Rivera's had a very quick rope. I think it comes with him not drafting him. He's like, I don't, I don't care where this guy was picked. Not, and, and neither did uh, Kyle Smith. You know, Kyle Smith was a part of the the, the who's their uh, top guy, their top their GM. You know, he, he was part of the front office, but you know, he wasn't he wasn't running the show when they drafted Dwayne Haskins. So. Um, they don't feel an allegiance to him necessarily, and I don't know. I just, I just, I just, I I mean, I just don't want to hear you. They they're saying in public that well, Kyle Allen knows the offense, so we're gonna go with him. I don't want to hear that. Yeah, I I don't want to hear. To me, you have to say that you know we think that. Um, he's saying stuff like you know, takes the job the series. Yeah, just just say what's happening. If that's what's happening, I can almost accept that. I can't accept. A guy with far less talent knows the offense, therefore I'm playing. To me, to me, that sounds like a team that wants to trade Dwayne Haskins and doesn't want to hurt his value. They know that in the offseason they're going to have to think about moving on from Haskins. But well, that's the problem, though, because to me is how I feel like you're not you didn't really give it a shot to try to develop him. I feel like it's a wasted pick. Like it's just I, it's just malpractice by that franchise. That's what the plan. I mean, is. it's malpractice in general. Um, yeah. It, it could be a situation where they really think that he's that. I see. I don't know. He hasn't looked that like he hasn't been great. And rescue Washington fans. Let me be clear. Uh, well, Washington fans will tell you that he is not that good of a player, or that he is worse than maybe people think that he is. But I just don't want. Because again, there's this thing about he's lazy out there. I don't want it to be, because that's a that's a. I don't want to say a stereotype. No, know? it is. It, I'll say it. It's a stereotype. It, it, it's heard with Jarvis Russell. It's something we've heard with Vince Young. It's something we heard with Michael Vick. It's not something we heard with Tim Couch, David Carr. I don't know. We didn't hear about Blake Blake uh, Baker Mayfield during his struggles. Blake Gabbard. Playing Gabbard, I, I I just I, and like again, he's a rookie. That's my our young, a very young player. My thing is like I don't I don't even necessarily have doubts that maybe there is an issue with leadership and focus and all those things. It takes time for young guys to know that that's what they're being asked. And I'm not trying to baby the guy; he's a professional. But he just, it, uh, it just Josh lazy. <laughs> I didn't hear him say he was lazy. I just want to know that you're actually working. To making him become that kind of franchise quarterback, it doesn't feel like they're doing the work. It feels like they came in, he's not a ready-made product, and they're just giving up. And it's just stupid because you just drafted a first-round pick, and now you're going to trade him for less. 
why wouldn't you try to make it work? It just it's just really dumb. So that's that's the issue I have with the Washington situation, and that's why they are who they are. It, the Washington and the Jets, they're the two. You know, Tony Kornheiser said it, and I agree with him, man. They're the two franchises. They're just battling for just like most inept. Like uh, it's amazing to me that to me Haskins shouldn't have played last season. You should have let him sit and watch, and then. Okay, you threw him out in the fire, even though your team was stinks and he wasn't ready to play. Now you, you come in in a COVID year with a new coach, and you know it's going to be growing pains. You're a bad team. You don't even have a team name in a locker <laughs> You're a joke. And you know it's going to be a rough year, but you're trying to build the growing pains. And you, two games, three games, and you're like, oh, we're done with this. I mean, come on. Like, it's just terrible stuff going on in Washington, but what's new? Anyway, um, that's going to do it for this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed it chatting with Kendall. Of course, as always, you can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. We have plenty of NBA draft coverage on there and more to come, so make sure you check that out. Again, New Generation Media is our YouTube channel. Check us out on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcasts, and Facebook, New Generation Media. You can find uh, Kendall on Twitter, at NewGenKen. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, ActionEJ. Thank you guys once again for listening in. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.